Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Hey, hey. Happy New Year, everyone. Hope you guys had a great Christmas. Hope you got everything you wanted on your Christmas list. Hope you enjoyed family. And uh, uh, it's been, if you were here for our Christmas Eve Eve experience, which was last Monday, we blew the doors off the place. It was super awesome. I think we, yeah, I think we had every chair in the building in this room for the six o'clock service. We had guys, we had church members walking around looking for chairs to, uh, to set out. We, we almost opened up those doors over there and created an overflow space. When you try to cram three services into two, it just gets full. And then all the new people showed up, which was super great. And if you're new with us this week, maybe you were here for Christmas Eve, Eve, we just want to say welcome. Uh, my name is Darian Rains. I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, we are actually starting a brand new series today on the book of James. Now, if you've been worshiping with us for any length of time, then you've probably heard our story of how we came to Pryor Creek, Oklahoma, how we came to Mays County, and why we launched Your Place Church here. Uh, For those of you who haven't been to Compass, it's next week, like they said. But in that um, Compass event, Compass, find your place, right? That's what a Compass does, helps you find your place. Your Place Church, you see what I did there? Right, right, right. So uh, in that uh, Compass event, we tell you um, kind of the process. So Tyra and I, when we were moving to launch the church, we thought we were going to Dallas. We thought everything about Dallas was us. Um, we, We loved the shopping. We loved the fact that there was a Starbucks on every corner. Their neighborhoods in Dallas have water parks in them, not community pools, water parks, right? And the metro of Dallas had grown 200,000 people in 2007 when we were on this journey. And so we thought we were going to launch in Dallas. Well, we drove to Dallas and drove around and nothing felt right to us. And so we came home. And to make a long story short, we just started praying. And God spoke to Tyra, my wife, and said, read the book of James. And so we read the book of James, and there was nothing about a star, nothing about a cowboy, nothing about a river in the book of James. And so she said, now what, God? And he said, read it again. And so she read it again. Well, this happens five times, reads through the book of James. On the fifth time, she says, listen, if I've got to read the book of James again, so do you, buddy. And so we sat down and we read the book of James together, and we got to James chapter 2, where, and I'm paraphrasing here, it says, if a guy in a business suit comes into your church, don't give him the best seat in the house and make the guy in rags sit at your feet or at the back door. And of course, we said we would never do that, Lord. We're not, we don't play favoritisms like that. And it dawned on us that we were doing that with entire cities. We wanted Dallas. We wanted the Starbucks on every corner. We wanted that life. And in that moment, God birthed in us this desire for smaller communities, and God brought us to here, to Mace County, where we launched 10 years ago now, Your Place Church. And it all was because of this book of James. See, the primary way that God will speak to us is through His Word. Are you with me, friends? The primary way that God will speak to you is through His Word. And if you don't If you can't really tell the difference between your thoughts 
and the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's probably because you haven't been in the Word, because the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like the Word of God does. And so we have to understand that. So God spoke to us while reading through the book of James. And so we, in praying about our 2020, you know, first series we're going to teach on, the Lord said, take them through the book of James. And so here we go. We're going to go through the book of James. A little bit about the author. According to James 1, 1, um, the letter was written by James himself. It wasn't someone writing for him. It was written by James. He was the son of Joseph, who was a construction worker who originally lived in Nazareth in Galilee. Now, if you're following along at home, then you know that there was somebody else who was the son of a carpenter from Galilee, and that was Jesus. So it is most widely assumed that James is the brother of Jesus. So Mary has Jesus, and because the way they list of all of Jesus' brothers, James was mentioned next, it is assumed that James was the next younger brother to Jesus. So Mary has Jesus, and then her and Joseph have James. The Bible talks about how James was actually an unbeliever in the Gospels. So you, you can see how his brothers kind of treated him in, in the Gospels. But in the, in, the New, or in, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, he's listed among the brethren. So something happened to James. He had a conversion. He all of a sudden started believing, oh, maybe big brother was the son of God, right? And he has this moment and then he begins to become one of the, you know, leaders of the church of the day. Now, as we go through the book of James, you have an opportunity here. You can treat this like a book study and good information. And while I never knew that, or you can lean into what the Holy Spirit wants to tell you today. You can lean into this. No one has exhausted everything there is to know about any one verse in Scripture. The Holy Spirit will continue to teach you if you will lean in. Our prayer has been that as we read through the chapters, something that is said, something that is spoken goes off on the inside of you. Your eyes are aware. All of a sudden, the verses make sense to you. James is a tell-it-like-it-is kind of a guy. So if you're, if you're one of those people that are like, can you just cut to the chase? Like, can we just get to the point? James is your boy, all right? Like, James is the guy. Now, here's how we're going to move through this series. I have no idea how long it's going to go. I'm just going to be led as we go. Is that okay with you guys? I've never done this before. I can, I can tell you what point one is going to be. Part one's going to be and part four is going to be. We typically change with the month. I'm not going to um, tell God that. We're just going to be led as we move through the chapters. I don't even know if we're going to get all the way through the book of James before he changes our service or our series. And so we're just going to lean in together. Is that okay with you guys? Let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens as the Holy Spirit leads us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we're our, we are so thankful for your word. And Father, like I just said, we are trusting you for direction. We're trusting you for the leading of your Holy Spirit. Father, I know I have some notes on a screen here. But Father, I pray that you 
you lead us in our conversation today. Father, I pray that you make this message applicable to every single person who's here today, who's watching online, who's listening by podcast. Father, I thank you that the message just drops into our heart. Father, you show us things that we've never seen before. Unlock our understanding, Father, so we can grow, so we can mature, so we can become like Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I would invite you to open your Bibles or your, uh, maybe you have a Bible app on your mobile device to James chapter 1, verse 1. Like, here we go, okay? For those of you who didn't bring a Bible, um, we'll put the scriptures up on the screen. James 1, 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. In other words, what's up, fellas? Right? He's starting, he's starting this letter. Now, you read that opening, and you're like, well, who would introduce themselves that way? Like, if you were going to write an email to a group of people, would you start it as Darian, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to all you people, right? No, not unless you had had some kind of a moment in your life that caused you to self-identify as that. James is confident in who he is in Christ. And so he, he's had such a moment in his life. He has had such a conversion in his life that he now identifies himself this way. I can remember when I was in Bible school, learning all of these details, learning about the Word of God for the very first time. We had classes like redemptive realities. And you think about that class and you're like, what does that even have to do with life? Redemptive Realities talks about everything that Jesus Christ paid for at the cross. And we're like, yeah, I heard that in Sunday school. Oh, no, not like, not like we talked about it. We took 13 weeks and unpacked the meaning of the blood. We unpacked the process of, of, uh, of Jesus dying on the cross and what actually belongs to us now as Christians. I'm telling you what, that changed me to go through that class. I had another class called the Gospel of John. It was 13 weeks of nothing but verse by verse through the Gospel of John. And I don't know what it was. It may have been the topic. It may have been the, the, the professor. But this guy made the Gospel of John just come to life to me. I never felt so loved by God until I went through that class in Bible school. It changed who I am. It was funny because Tyra could always tell when I came out of one of the classes, we went to the same Bible school together. She could always tell when I came out of one of those classes where this particular professor was teaching because I was just in this fog. I was just in this daze. I was just, I was just caught up in what I had just learned, the truth about God's Word. And she was like, you just came out of that professor's class, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, how do you know? It's written all over your face because it was changing me. I learned that the Word of God is true, Amen. that you cannot change the Word of God. See, when I was a kid, I was a fearful kid. And then when I was in Bible school, I learned about Psalm 91 and found out that God has actually assigned angels to us. He said this, you know what, in the world, there may be a thousand that disaster hits them and they fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand, 
but it will not come near you. That'll do something to you if you believe it. If you believe it. I learned about, you know, how I didn't feel worthy. Like, I'm at Bible school, and I'm like, if, if God knew what my life was like, what my past was like, I shouldn't be here. But I learned about the blood of Jesus Christ and how that blood washed me clean. And it doesn't matter what my past is like. It doesn't matter what my present is like. God's blood is powerful. Or I'm sorry, Jesus' blood is powerful enough to wash me clean, and that changed me. I learned, even though I was a shy and and very, had very little confidence, I found out that according to Scripture, and God's Word doesn't change, and He doesn't lie, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, when you find out who you are in Christ, you will carry yourself differently. You'll approach situations differently. And so it makes sense to me that James understands who he is James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you know who you belong to, it changes you. And he goes on to say, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Not only does he know who he is, he knows who he's called to. Listen, friends, not only do you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, There is a calling for you, and there is a people for you. There is a place for you. He goes on in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Happy New Year, everyone. (laughs) Trials and testing and perseverance. Yes, exactly what I want to talk about, right? Yay! I told you, James is a cut-to-the-chase kind of guy. He falls right off the deep end right here. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why on earth would we do that? When I think of pure joy, I think of uh, being on a boat on Lake Hudson, you know, a calm waters and the sunset going down. That's pure joy, right? I think of cutting into a, a, a ribeye steak that's been grilled to perfection, and when you, the knife hits it, it just splinters. You know what I mean? Pure joy. I, I think of, I think of uh, uh, you know, the, the person who, who, who finds out that their mortgage has been paid off. Pure joy. The person who no longer has to pay on credit card debt. Pure joy. I think of the person who rings the bell at the oncologist's office saying that they no longer have cancer. Pure joy. Amen, everyone? I think about the person who, who, the couple that's been struggling to get pregnant, and now all of a sudden they found out you're with child. Pure joy. Not trials of many kinds, right? Like, what are you on, James? Why would we do that? We think that trials are one thing and one thing only. We think a trial is an event that has the potential to wreck our whole world. It's a trial of your faith. Well, nobody wants that. First of all, a trial may include some cataclysmic event, but more often than not, most trials 
that we face begin in our thoughts. Are you with me, friends? That's where most trials happen. The word trial is not a thing. It's not an enemy. It's not an event. It's anything that wants to test your faith, that wants to test what you believe. It's the first thought that comes to mind when something challenges you. That's the moment. It's whatever opposes our trust in our Heavenly Father. It asks the question, are you really going to believe God, believe His Word in this moment? That's what a trial is asking. Are you going to trust God? Are you going to stand on His Word in this moment? A trial can be when your boss comes to you and says, oh, you've been overlooked for that promotion or that raise or that bonus. Are you going to say, well, that's it. Nobody appreciates me. Here's my resignation. I'll go someplace that that people understand my talents. Or are you going to realize that promotion actually comes from the Lord and this job is not my source. He is. See, that's the trial of your faith. A trial is when you hear a noise in the house in the middle of the night and you're home alone. And it sounded just like the sound that that slasher movie had in it two weeks ago that you watched, right? And you're like, this is how it started. There's somebody in the house. Are you going to run screaming out of the house or worse? Wake up your husband who's been asleep for two hours, right? I heard a noise. I didn't, right? Like, I'm going back to sleep. No, you got to wake up. That's what a trial is. That's, those are the moments. A trial is when you have an opportunity to trust God in a season or in an, in an area of your life or to just kind of fall back on what you've always done or what you've always known. These are the trials of our faith James is talking about. A trial is an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to mature, to try something. Dr. Caroline Leaf says it this way. She says, it's not what happens to you. It's how you respond to what happens to you that makes the difference. It's not what happens to you that has the possibility to change your life. It's how you respond to what happens to you that has the possibility to change your life. A trial is a testing, according to James, of our faith. Well, we've been learning a lot about faith in the last six months. As a church, that's like a family. The Bible says in James 1, 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces. And you need to understand that. The testing of your faith, it actually produces something. In this case, it produces perseverance. Now, we don't like the word perseverance, The King James Version says it this way, the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then it says, let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Side thought, did did any other guy in the room recognize that the Word of God referred to patience as a her? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm moving right along, moving right along. Anyway, let patience have her perfect work. Why? That you may be perfect perfect. You know, if you think about this whole context of what James is talking about, 
He's talking about process. We're all in process. I remember reading John Maxwell's book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. It's a great read. If you're into leadership, you should read it. It's kind of one of those staple reads. And in that, one of those 21 laws is the law of process. John Maxwell says leadership doesn't, or he says it this way, leadership develops daily, not in a day. It's daily decisions. It's daily disciplines. It's daily, you know, uh, choices that we make. It's a scriptural truth because it's true about anything we do in life. It's all process. And unfortunately, process isn't always fun. When I think about process, I think about those floors over there. Uh, If you guys were here for Eve, Eve, you walked in through that op, that entry was open. All those floors have, have, uh, have gone through this process of making them shine. They started with like a, a 400 grit grinding disc, and they ground them down, and it went all the way up to like a 1,200 or 1,400 grit polisher. Now, those babies shine over there. But think about it. That's not new concrete. It looks like it. Those of you who've been worshiping with us for any length of time, you remember what that looked like. That used to be all kids' ministry space over there. And now we're moving kids' ministry over here and over here. And right now our kids are in the gym, and it's temporary, but it's working. That concrete has been here since the early 90s. It's been covered up. It's been walked on. It's been forgotten about. It's a necessary part to us doing life that nobody even really recognized. There's imperfections in it. There are are blemishes in it. But today, because of process, it is now the focal point of that brand new coffee shop and auditorium, or I'm sorry, and lobby over there. Like, it shows and it reflects the really cool lighting that we have over there. If you look down on the concrete, you actually see the lights over there. Why? Because of process. Are you with me, friends? It's just like that concrete. We are all under process. If we're going to be honest, some of us feel covered up. Some of us feel like we've been walked on. Some of us feel like we've been forgotten about. We feel like a necessary part to the organization we're a part of, but nobody really sees us. We feel imperfect, we feel blemished, and we ask ourselves the question, how could God ever use me? But if we will go through the process, God will actually see you and make you into something beautiful. And we really have two options. We can either say, dang, this process really sucks, or we can hit it in the head knowing that we win every single battle knowing that God has a plan for us and that we've read the end of the book and, and the, the people of, of God, they win. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says it this way. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. So go back to your BC days. Think of what you were, of who you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. That's me. In school, I was a B.C. student at best. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. Look at this. 
But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. God chose you. Even when you didn't feel worthy to be chosen. So God takes very common things and makes them uncommon. Don't assume that God can't or won't use you because of your past or your present. Like you could be going through something right now. You could feel like you're in process right now and you don't know if you're going to make it. Don't assume that God's choosing your future based upon what you're going through right now. It's all process. Are you with me, friends? Verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Don't just let process happen. Tackle it. We don't like that. We don't want to go through process. We want the end results of process, but we don't want to go through perseverance. Are you with me, friends? We don't want to start working out. We just want the body of a teenager. Are you with me? We don't, we don't want to eat right, okay? We just want to feel better and look good and still eat the garbage that we eat, right? We want to eat a donut and have abs. That's what we want, right? We don't want to go through that process. We don't want to come to prayer on Wednesday nights because we're tired and it's been a long day and I just want to stay home, but I want to hear his voice. But I, want, but I want God to move in my life. And after all, I can pray at home, which is true. You can. Do you? Because something, listen, friends, I get it. But something happens where you're in a room full of people who are charging the throne room of God. We lock arms spiritually, and we go. And even if you don't know how to pray, you get in an environment where prayer is happening, and you go. And it, it does something to you. But we don't want to persevere. We don't want to tell our flesh, no. We don't want to, we don't want to do anything that feels um, not fun, Right? Perseverance sounds horrible, but all it is is standing and not allowing circumstances to dictate your thoughts, to dictate what happens. If you think about it, it's faith. One of our core values as a church is this idea of of faith. We don't let circumstances dictate our life. We change circumstances. We believe that there's chapter and verse that says that. You've got authority in the name of Jesus. You can change circumstances. Are you with me, friends? That's what this is talking about. James is saying, persevere when the thoughts come. 
When things don't look like they're going your way, don't quit. Stand on what you believe. And so many of us, we would just rather quit. Well, I'll just do it next time. I'll stand next time. Right now, I'm too exhausted. You know, it's, it's interesting to me because we've spent the last couple of days in, in the hospital. And um, we have a family member who's there. And, um, and how they treat patients in the hospital is completely different than how they used to treat them. We, we used to think that we would go to the hospital to get rest, right? We just, we, we've had a pretty extensive procedure done, and I'm here to sleep it off, to rest. That's not the case. Medical science has figured out that once you get that ventilator tube out, they get you up. When you would rather just sit there, they're getting you up, they're getting you walking around, they're getting you in motion because they realize if you just lay down under this, your healing will take longer, you're at a risk for infection, and it won't go well for you. So there is somebody in their life picking them up, putting them on a walker and saying, walk. That's perseverance. And we don't like the feel of that, but it's necessary. Somehow we think God is just a merciful enough God that will allow us to skip the process. Like, God, I'm just going to pray that I skip this one. <laughs> no. God is actually merciful enough to encourage us to go through the process. Why? Because he sees the end result. The Bible says this. Now, this is the holy word of God. You guys are following that, right? The Holy Bible, still the number one selling book in the world, has stood the test of time. Before anything else was, there was the Word of God. In Exodus chapter 15, 26, the Holy Word of God says, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep His decrees, basically it says, I'll heal your land. If... You do something. If you do something, I'll do something. In other words, we don't just lay down and just let life happen. We do something. We stand up. If you do something, then I'll do something. Can I just be honest with you? One of the most dangerous doctrines that is circling the globe right now in churches, in worship environments, has to do with the sovereignty of God. Now, the sovereignty of God is a real thing. But the way people are defining the sovereignty of God undermines the character and nature of who He is. There is this thought that whatever happens in life, God is in control of. God is, God is making you go through this thing. That is not in the Bible. That is not scriptural. If that was true, and that everything that you're going through in life is somehow the plan of God in your life, then there would be no if-then statements in the Bible. Are you with me? Because if you did this, if it was truly God's plan, ooh, screen. if it was truly God's plan, then if you did it or not, it wouldn't change God because it's His plan. But we can see through the text that if you do something, I'm going to do something. Are you with me, friends? Amen. Which is why we're fasting this month. 
Fasting does not move God. It moves us to hear God. When we take 21 days and we fast and we pray, can I say that? Fast and pray. If you're not praying while you're fasting, it's just a really bad diet. All right? Let me encourage you. Find something to fast, though. Social media, maybe media in general, like maybe you cut out your favorite series right now. You just don't watch it during the next 21 days of fasting and prayer. Why? Why why does that matter? When you fast something, a lot of us are doing the Daniel fast, which basically is no meats, no sweets, no breads, no dairy. Like it just cuts it out. It's fruits and vegetables and a lot of water. And that's what we're doing for the next 21 days. Why? Because your body wants French fries. Your body wants sweets. Your body wants that extra piece of cake. And when you tell your body no, all of a sudden it gets mad and starts to pout. And what you're doing, it'll take you a good... Now listen to me, friends. If this is your first fast, let me tell you what to expect. It'll take you a good week and a half of, I hate this. I hate everything about this. But if you can persevere through that, you'll get to about a week, a week and a half in, maybe even on into the the second or third week, and all of a sudden you'll realize that all of the negative voices of the world, all the distractions in your life, those voices have been turned down. And it turns, by by nature, the voice of God up in your life. God is not holding His Word from you. He's not withholding His voice from you. There are distractions. There are other voices in your life that are louder than the voice of God. 21 days of fasting and prayer turns those voices down and amplifies the voice of God in your life. Listen, you will get answers this month. Next month, this is still December, you'll get answers. Things that you're looking for, God will show them to you. If you can get yourself in a place where you can hear his voice. And you're like, well, why doesn't God speak louder than he does? Oh, he's speaking loud. The other things are just speaking louder. God's not going to shout at you. The Bible talks about the voice of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit being a still, small voice. Verse 2, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Here's the thing about a trial. Again, it's a thought process for most of us funny how one little tidbit of information takes you out of a trial. It's all in your head. Now, I'm not saying there aren't physical things that happen, but most trials are challenging our thought of God or what He's going to do in our life. goes to that old phrase, you know, tough times don't last, tough people do. Trials don't last forever. Trials are not sent from God. There's a scripture that says that. Hey, listen, God doesn't, doesn't, is not tested, is not tried, nor does he send trials, the Bible says. It's not something God's doing to you. 
This is a result of the fallen world we live in. Are we going to stand? Are we going to make it? Because here's the, here's the difference. We're fighting from a place of victory. We're fighting from a place where we know we already win. And it produces faith. Galatians chapter 6 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if, what? We don't give up. This is the perseverance part. If we don't give up. Guys, I can remember five, six, seven years ago, worshiping here in this warehouse converted into a church. And man, we'd get to about 1230 on a July Sunday, and it was hot in this room. I mean, it's, it's a metal building. It's a metal roof up there. And that's insulation. You see that up there? But that insulation's like this thick. It has very little R factor to it. And those purlings that you see there, that becomes in the July sunshine like the coils of an electric blanket. And man, it would heat up in here and we just couldn't bear it. And I can remember virtually begging God for a used, God, we just need a used five-ton AC unit. If we could just get one used, I don't care if it makes noise, squeaks, growls, if it just produces some cool, I'll put it in that room because our people, I mean, you guys won't come. If it's hot, I mean, you love God, but let's just be real. It's July, and I'm in an oven, okay? I can remember believing God for one unit. In the last few months, you, at your place, church, have bought seven brand new units, and you've paid cash for them. Come on, let's celebrate that. Amen. Glory to God. We believe God for one, and you guys just bought seven of them. We've spent $210,000 in cash outside of what the loan covered. You know, I told you we had a loan from our financial partners to help us do all of this renovation. We've spent $210,000 on top of that just out of our pocket, and we still have money in savings. Are you with me, friends? Yes. Amen. Why? Because we did not quit. I guess we could have just moved all of our service times to 6 a.m., 7.30, and 9. But who of you guys, I mean, you're spiritual people, but they ain't a one of you that'd be here at 6.30 in the morning. You know what I mean? Worship team shows up at 4. <laughs> Got to get ready for church. No. What was the answer? That brand new air conditioner that's, that's cooling or heating. I don't know what we're doing right now. It's hot to me. <laughs> It's, 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 it's conditioning this air. Amen. We didn't quit. Listen to this. Last year in April, we were at our ARC conference that we're, all, we're a part of the Association of Related Churches. We're, build, we're planting churches all over the nation, all over the world. We were at our ARC conference, and I heard a guy by the name of Tommy Barnett, most of you, or some of you know him. Him and his son, Matthew Barnett, launched the Dream Center in L.A., and it's just, it's this beautiful place that's doing a great work there. Well, Tommy pastors a church in Arizona, massive church. And he's talking to all of us church planners and the staff we brought. And he leans over the stage that day. Someone had asked him the question, Tommy, what's your biggest regret in life? And he instantly knew what he was going to say. 
He said, my biggest regret, he's in his 80s now. He said, my biggest regret is not dreaming bigger dreams. Because God made every dream I had come true. So his biggest regret in life was not dreaming bigger dreams. Because God made every one of his dreams come true. Guys, let's take that to heart. Let's let's step into process. What can we learn from James chapter 1? That process is going to happen. And if we tackle it and understand that we win at the end, we'll make it through that process mature, wanting, the Bible says, wanting nothing. Amen. Those first four verses. That's all I got for today. Four verses. We'll see how far this goes. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, God, there's a lot packed in those four verses. Wow. Father, I thank you for the journey that we're on together as a church that's like a family. Father, we know that there's new people showing up every single weekend to your place, church, so our family's getting bigger. And Lord, I thank you that this word today, this word is changing who we are. Father, we live differently because of who we are in Christ. Father, and we realize that in this life, there are going to be opportunities for trials to come up. And Lord, I thank you that if we tackle them instead of cowering back from them, that Father God, not only do they not last, but we become somebody as a result. Father, I thank you that we don't allow circumstances to dictate our lives. We change circumstances in the name of Jesus. God, we trust you. God, I thank you for finishing the work that you began in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.